Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Hello friends and welcome finally to your long belated delayed Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. I'm your host Mark Heath and it's a historic pod as well because it's a two-man gang today and for the first time ever I believe it's just me and the kid AJ. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get to everything that's going on AJ I want to apologise to the listeners to Carrie Army because clearly they had to wait a long time for this. Essentially friends like it did for so many of you Rotherham messed us right up. That meant there was no game to talk about on Monday, which meant there was no point doing a pod. Then Stu's off for half term. AJ was off for a day. Rossi's off for a day. And then, of course, they played on a Wednesday night, which basically threw us all out of whack. meant that we didn't really actually have time to all sit down together and record a podcast, which meant you didn't get one before the game last night. So I do apologise for that. Um, but we're here now. And friends, to continue the theme, it's all going rather well, isn't it? Town won yeah. again at Bristol City last night, 1-0. AJ, you were there, of course, flying solo. Or I say she wasn't there, but you were there with your fellow young gun, Ross Halls. He, he loves that, doesn't he, Ross? He absolutely he does, loves yes. that. He really leans hard into that. Um, I want to start with a very simple question before we get to the game, AJ. You joined us in the summer from Millwall. You covered championship football last season. Millwall flirted with the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And no doubt you, you referred to it being a very exciting time to join a team covering Ipswich Town. You were right. But friend, be honest. You weren't expecting this, were you? What are you, what are you expecting? Like, because we are now a quarter of the way into the season, 12 games played. If you honestly honest about things, where did you think you'd be at this time? What town would be? Yeah, so no, I didn't expect that this would probably be how things would pan out. I don't think any of us did. I think I was maybe in a position where I could sense it being a very exciting journey in the sense mm. that it was maybe more towards the beginning in the sense that they'd just come up. And this would be the start of a process of working towards the top end of the table. A really nice season this season, getting to grips with the championship and then seeing how things progress kind of down the line and getting to be part of that journey then from start to finish, kind of as that progression that Kieran McKenna talks about a lot. That was what I was expecting. I was not expecting them to come in and after, what, 12 games that they've actually played, just gone and ramped through the championship largely. Mm. Um, didn't really expect them to play the kind of football that just carves teams open. Didn't expect them to score 8 billion goals a game. <laughs> didn't expect Portman Road to pretty much be the most entertaining football ground in the country. Um, I knew that the excitement was here. I knew that you know the positive vibe, I think mm. when we were in pre-season, I mentioned that to a lot of the players. Can you feel the positive vibe going into the championship? Did you feel that after promotion? How important is that? I don't think that, at least from my perspective, I realised quite how big that was. Um, and I definitely didn't think it would carry on into this season in the, into the the way it has. I got a message from a mate uh, last night after the win that just said, this is mental. And it and it really is. That's how we kind of start to run out of ways of, of describing what's going on. Even someone like me who's a professional Billy Bullshitter. Um, I'm starting to run out of terms. We'll go into that shortly. The elephant in the room, though, before we do start on the old football there, AJ, visually, if you're watching, when I say the elephant in the room, should really be the cat in the room because mm-hmm. uh, you've got all manner of Halloween-based stuff around you yeah. on the on the Royal Trestle. 
So there's, if you're not watching, there's like, it looks like half a tree uh, autumnal vibes behind you with a cat. Mm. And then you just showed me before we started rolling, there's all sorts of other Halloween based paraphernalia. Yeah. Um, family isn't massively big on Halloween, but really? At the same time, yeah, I know. <laughs> Weird, isn't it? But yeah. at the same time, I think that if there's an option to buy useless crap to put up around the house, then that will be taken, that opportunity. Okay. Right. Um, to present some bits up here, we have skull candle here. Yeah. We have uh, classic pumpkin pumpkin little tea light here yeah um i'm not gonna try and oh you know what, reach over and grab it we have um another pumpkin one another there are three pumpkin. of these there are three of these behind my laptop here um around we've got lots of different orange based pumpkin largely lots of pumpkins going on there's a real theme here uh we've got a pumpkin plate we've got another little bag of different things um, over to the left, unfortunately, I can't really turn and show it. It's a bit of a tricky one, but we have a skull. Oh. That has candles on it that is covered in cobwebs with a fake spider. Um, I now realise that I started this by saying that my family are not big into Halloween. And yeah. I'm now starting to doubt whether yeah. or not that is. And just behind the trestle is a full-size witch. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, I do want to stress this is a, uh, not a real cat. Yeah, not a stuffed cat. But this no. is also a really important reason as to why you should subscribe to watch these <laughs> videos because yeah. maybe like from now on I could just come with like different random objects behind me maybe like random football shirts or, or yeah we'll have Christmas decorations a few Easter oh, eggs things like that we'll definitely have a few bits going on here I think Christmas might just be a little bit more extreme than what we've got going here which is a terrifying thought Tremendous. Right then. Should we get on to the game, AJ? Mm -hmm. After that, that, that um, rambling preamble. Ipswich Town won again last night. As I just said, I don't really know what to say about what's going on at town. It's it's mental. It's remarkable. It's completely uh, unpredicted, extraordinary, all those kind of words you want to throw. All of those, you can't really get too hyperbolic around it. So I'm going to let Kieran McKenna talk about it first of all, and then we're going to take our lead from him, AJ. So let's listen to you speaking to McKenna after the game last night. Kieran, you uh, had to grind that one out a little bit towards the end, but another big win. Yeah, um, I thought we played, you know, bar the first five minutes when Bristol, um, you know, started really sharply and we were just half a yard short, which I think is, you know, probably to be expected, to be honest. Um, I thought after that we played for, for 65 minutes, 70 minutes, maybe we played really good football, um, scored a good goal. Could have scored, could have scored the second goal, which would have not killed the game, but it would have given us a margin. And and when you don't do that away from home, we've been in the position before. You know, then the last ten, fifteen minutes is is going to be tough. You're going to have to dig in, show some spirit and resilience. And um, we managed to do that. I still think we can we can do better in that late phase. I still think we can control the game a little bit more um, with a little bit more composure. Um, but we showed our again, we showed our will to get the result and. Um, to see it out as a squad and uh, that that helped us get over the line. Okay, right then. Well, you kick us off then, AJ. My take on this is it's a game of of many different parts. There was that the start, of the first five ten minutes was a bit shaky, wasn't it? The boy Bell was causing all sorts of problems down the uh, the right town's right. It looked like they were really targeting that area. Uh, then Town obviously came into it. They got the goal, and for for a bit there, they played some amazing football. They were they were carving Bristol City apart, and then towards the end of the game. It got deeper and deeper, and it felt like 
Mm, uh, I'm not sure they're going to see this out. And there were last-ditch challenges here, here, there, and everywhere, and goal line clearances and all that kind of stuff. But Town did it. Again, show they can win games in many different ways. Stuck to it, dug in, and got another three points. Where do you want to kick off with this one? I think that this was a game that was largely defined by the fact that Town had not played against Rotherham because at the end of the day, they come into this one pretty much having not played competitive football for three weeks almost. I think it's mm. pretty much slap bang on two and a half weeks. Got to bear in mind that Bristol City came back and they had that game. They, they played at home and they won 1-0 over the weekend in a game where I think that... They might have, uh, I, I think it was quite a, a good performance there and, and there were positives to take, but there was obviously a lot of pressure that came under Nigel Pearson. And, mm. and the biggest thing from their perspective is they got minutes into the legs. Town did not have that. Town went all the way up to Yorkshire and had a game called off. And, and that I think had a, a real impact and you could sense that there was that rustiness in the first five minutes that McKenna touched upon. Um, probably extended up towards the first 10 for Town mm. to get into full swing and I think that when they did the football they were playing was fantastic I think the mm. best way I could describe it was if you've ever played FIFA and you press well PlayStation it's Y and you just have through balls and you just go boom 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 and you carve through the yeah. opposition that was the best way to, to do it I just think they, they just lacked a bit of cutting edge and they lacked the, the final touch that was the biggest thing they got into good areas playing really nice stuff the movement was there it was just the final ball that they had for the for the goal, obviously, when Broadheads, he's probably played a little bit more competitive football than some of his teammates was able to go in and, and smash that one in. Mm. But other than that, I think that it was just a case where they were lacking a little bit of, of fitness and a little bit of match action just to be able to make sure that they got the ball into the box and then had the, the energy and yeah, just what they needed to really go and put the game to bed in the first half because I think they could have done it. Well, they came very close, didn't they? Obviously, Morsey at the post and this and the other. Right then, before we get on to the, uh, the kind of frantic last few uh, minutes and the rear guard action, let's talk a little bit about this man, shall we? This is, uh, for those of you not watching, this is uh, Nathan Broadhead absolutely leathering the shite out of the ball once again, scoring another absolute blockbuster. You wrote in your observations that he, he hits a football like he's got a problem with it, like he's mm. trying to get some anger out. And, it, and it, that really is accurate. It was another absolute blockbuster from Broadhead. And here's a nice picture of him celebrating six goals now for him on the season and i want to pick you up on something you wrote in your observations piece which you haven't read go and read it now obviously um uh, if you're a subscriber one of our premium bits of content and you you kind of pondered in there clearly we knew going into the season nathan broadhead was a very very important player some of us even tipped him to be leading scorer and double doubling goals and assists and he's certainly heading that way um but you pondered is he is he too important do they rely on him too much do you think do you want to talk a little bit about that yeah, it's an interesting one because he is the leading scorer, obviously. But I think that when you look at the nature of the goals that he's scoring, there is a lot of importance there. For example, mm. I mean, the big one that comes to mind is the Cardiff game when they were 2-0 down. That first goal that he scores comes from actually him missing a, a free kick with a really poor effort. And he was furious. He was so pissed off. And you could tell it with then the goal that he goes on to score where he picks it up and he just absolutely leathers it into the net. He is the kind of player where if things aren't going your way, he'll be able to kind of use that aggression that he has because there is quite a lot, which is strange when you talk to him. He's quite a, a quiet and shy character. Yeah. But I think you can tell there is quite a lot of kind of passion and aggression there to be a really good player and, and to take kind of club and country to the next level. 
And I think that there is a sense that in times when town are struggling, he's probably the player where they turn to, to, to have that little bit of quality. And again, that bit of aggression just to go and take the rest of the team by the scruff of the neck and to drag them over the line. So is there a side there when you're then thinking, well, if he's not in the team or mm. if you're relying too much on him, what if he can't do that? What if he isn't in the position where he can be the man to turn things around? And I think that is probably a fair point to raise because, again, you look at the nature of the goals, you look at what he did at Sunderland, for example, as well. He's such an important figure. Then you also have got to bear in mind at the end of the day, Town are a team that, well, they're really a team. That's the biggest point here. The goals are so well spread out. You look at Connor Chaplin, who's on five, just one behind, scoring mm. so many important goals. Quite a lot of those coming at home as well, I think. Um, Hurst shipping in. Wes Burns getting that goal. Hopefully when he comes back, he'll be able to kind of carry on that form that he had with the the performances towards the end. You're looking at Brandon Williams. Those two goals, really, really important. The one against Preston, running from the halfway line, the late equaliser at Huddersfield. So two sides of it. I think that they do rely on him. There is a side to that where he is such an important player and his characteristics play an important part within that. However, I do think that other players do have what it takes to step up. We've seen that throughout the season. It's just a case mm. that Nathan Broadhead at the moment is kind of at the centre of that attack. He's the, the jewel in the crown. And I think that's why he's ended up being the one who's kind of taken and shouldered that burden a little bit. Mm. It's, a, it's a nice thing to have, isn't it? Because whenever the ball falls to him around the box, you think there's a chance that something's going to happen. Mm. And I love the concept that he, he, he hits a football like it's just slagged off his mum, doesn't it? Like he <laughs> gets really angry with it. Um, speaking of angry and, and kind of feisty and that combative sort of spirit, talk to me about Sam Morsey, because I, I thought Morsey, again, w- was really good last night. A couple of loose passes and obviously um, some some free kicks given away. But do you think he was, number one, do you think he was lucky to stay on the pitch? With that, yeah, it was the free kick they gave away right on the edge of the area. First of all, I thought, oh, that's a that's a penalty, and then obviously it was outside the box, and then I thought that was that was Morsey. He's already been booked. Oh no! Mm. And the ref didn't even talk to him about it. He got away. I mean, I mean that that was kind of kind of shocked that he didn't even get a talking mm. to. Yeah, uh, we'll touch on the refereeing bits to start off with. I'm not in a mm. position where I can get fined by the FA, so <laughs> I can kind of hold a bit of a, uh, a vendetta against Josh Smith, who I've seen referee quite a lot of Cambridge games. And Uh-oh. I remember when he did that, he was an absolute shambles, to be honest. A Peterborough-born referee who uh, really refereed one of the worst games I'd ever seen against Portsmouth. I think I brought that one up a few times. And again, when you look at the games he's refereed for town, he's done three already this season. I had a look at this yesterday. And um, it was just a case where the decisions that were just really bizarre. And there was another one here where town were picking up quite a few yellow cards at times. And Bristol City were in a, a flow where they were making these continuous fouls and they weren't really cynical, neither were Towns. Mm. But it was just, you've got to have the standards where the rules are applied fairly to both teams. You just want consistency, don't you? Yeah, it's the consistency side. Something's a yellow card for one team, it should be a yellow card for another team. Exactly, and that was really frustrating. Um, I think it would be a disappointment you also look at Sam Morsey, a player who is going to pick up a lot of cards. He's already on six for the season now, and I think it's ten will get you a three-match ban off the top Mm. of my head. Um, Bear in mind that he'll undoubtedly pick one up on uh, December 16th as well, and there'll be a few others that will will come and go. So it's going to be important for him to maintain that um, 
disciplinary record now where he can hopefully stay away from that. Easier said than done. Aside from that, again, it's hard with Morsey where you look at his performances and they're so consistently kind mm. of a seven minimum, often an eight out of ten. And you kind of, especially as a defensive midfielder, you overlook that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I thought that in a game, again, where Town didn't always have the control that they needed to see things out comfortably. He was such an important figure within that. He, again, is maybe in a slightly different way to Broadhead, but a player who can take the game by the scruff of the neck, add that aggression, add that control. And he also, as we saw with that shot, um, blimey, has uh, quite a bit of power behind him as well. So someone who can contribute all over and, and again, such an important figure. And Boanu is another 8 out of 10 performance, isn't it? At least. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, I gave him eight out of ten last night, so I thought he was <laughs> he was really good. Um, who else stood out for you last night? I'm always interested when I do the player ratings because everyone watches a, a, a game of football differently, don't they? And it's like I guess it's what you like, what you're looking for. Um, do you reward? Are you looking for more attacking play? Or are you more of a kind of defensive minded viewer of football? Someone like Watson, for example, who gives centre backs <laughs> ten out of ten, or at least he would do uh, for for a single sliding tackle, that kind of thing. But no one ever seems to kind of universally agree on rating. So I'm just interested to to see what you made of the game last night. And if, if any kind of player stood out for you, you've already mentioned Morsley, but what about the rest mm. of the side? Um, I'm looking towards the back line here because they were put under a lot of pressure with the fact that Town didn't have a lot of control. Yeah. Um, so two probably within that that stood out to me. Cameron Burgess, just dominant, just such a monster, isn't he? In the way that you look at his physicality, mm. his aerial prowess, he's gotten a lot better on the ball, which he has to be when Town playing out from the back. I think he's really stepped up to doing that at championship level. Um, this was just a re- another really positive night from him. And you look as well, he contributes going forward. And this isn't what you always get from centre-backs. He played a really nice lobbed ball over the top for Hurst, where um, I think it was really early on in the first half. He's done this already for Hurst. He did this for the Blackburn game, where he got the assist and Hurst went on and scored. Mm. I'm a little bit, uh, I'm not too sure. I think that could have been a bit of a, a foul there, because I think it gets kind of just blown up for a head injury. But, the goalkeeper doesn't get anywhere near the ball. When I've looked at it back, he just wipes out Hurst. I think that's one that Town, again, will be a little bit frustrated with. Uh, He's definitely one I'd point out. And again, Brandon Williams, I think that aggression is so important in this Town team. Having that fight, having that bite and that desire, um, especially in a game like this, where if you maybe don't have the same level of technical ability as you usually would, Town probably didn't necessarily have their same levels because of the fact that they were a little bit rusty and they mm. need to get back into the swing of things. If you don't have that, what you need to have to replace it is aggression, is bite, is determination, someone who's going to get stuck in and make sure that come hell or high water, you're not going to lose this game. And that is Brandon Williams. Mm. Yeah. Um, in terms of players who stood out, I mean, I, I, I again, I, I thought Chaplin played really well last night. I thought Hladke obviously made some, some good saves. Do you mm. want to talk, you, you touched there on Brandon Williams. Should we, should we talk a little bit about the, um, that digging in, that advert, you know, facing adversity, running towards adversity in the town <laughs> narrative, um, because there were definitely, if this was a, if this is the Ipswich town of old, you would be thinking, and you weren't here for this, you'd be thinking, oh, they're gonna they're gonna concede, this is gonna end one one, or maybe they might even lose two one, but um, they always find a way to stick it out, and it's not always pretty, is it? it like the, the, Brandon Williams had to hurl himself dramatically at the ball to, to clear it off the line, but they they keep finding a way of doing it, uh, and it. it it's almost as impressive as them tearing teams apart and, you know, 
beating Hull City three 0 for example, you know that that kind of performance. It's um, the range of ways of winning games is brilliant. It doesn't get recognised enough in my eyes, especially when you mm. look at the reaction that you get from opposition fans. The first thing you see from Bristol City supporters, and they're not the only ones who can be kind of pointed out for this one, but the first reaction I saw was, they're not that good, they're going to fall away. With a, with a full-strength team, we would have beaten them. Mm. At the end of the day, yeah, but Town didn't go and carve through a team like they did against Hull, like they did against Preston, like they did at times against Blackburn. Um, it wasn't that kind of performance. It was more like, again, and it's a different side. It's the two sides of the home and the way. I touched on it a bit in kind of yeah. the, the takeaways there. The fact that they won 1-0, they kept another clean sheet. They went and got the goal, and that was all they needed to do. And they did that against Southampton. They did that against QPR. They did that against Sheffield Wednesday. This is something that they're getting pretty good at. Um, football isn't always going to be about free-flowing open attacks, carving teams to shreds. Mm. scoring three, four, five goals. Okay, yeah, uh, Portman Road, maybe it is at the moment, but that doesn't seem to be something that transitions to the away performances and people maybe brush that under the carpet a little bit. And I think that's quite harsh when it's a really hard thing to do. I yeah. do think that there are still some nervy moments. I was looking into kind of the last kind of, definitely up until stoppage time was announced in the Bristol City game last night where I was like, oh, okay, I'm a little bit concerned here. And I had the same against... Um, Sunderland as well, but given the pressure that they were under, and it's pretty good going considering that they're even getting to that point. It's good going mm. that then they have the fortune, you need to have a little bit of fortune on your side to make sure that you don't concede those goals as well. Everything is going town's way, but in order for that to happen, you do need to have a lot of quality going for you, and that has to be yes, going forward, carving teams open, scoring goals, but also being Brandon Williams being Cameron Burgess, sliding in, big tackles, defending for your lives, making sure that no one's going to take that clean sheet away from you. And town seem to be able to do both. Yeah. Is there, I know you're big on your, your football stats and um, the, the tactical side of thing. As someone who watches every town game, is there, is there, a, is there a notable difference between the way they, they set out to play at home and away? Because you look at it on paper, as you say, we've got all these swashbuckling high scoring games at Portland road and there's, what, four or five now, one nil wins on the road? So on paper, you'd say that's really different. Is it? Does it feel different mm. watching it? At times, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things I noticed with them yesterday is after they got the goal, things went a little bit more passive. And it wasn't passive as in like boring, they're not trying. It was passive. They were passing it around, waiting for the opportunity to come open. But they weren't forcing it. I think that's quite an important thing. Mm. When they're at Portman Road, it's just a case of, they feel confident enough to just go pass, pass, pass goal. And they feel like they have the cutting edge to go and make sure that they will bury teams in that way. And it doesn't really translate on the road as much. I think that they can do it. And you look at the patterns of play in the first half and they do do it. It just doesn't come across mm. as often. They're more patient. They know that they need to bide their time. They know that especially when it comes to away games, that swing of momentum is really important because if you're in that one goal lead and you're then presenting yourself as quite an open side. You're letting a team like Bristol City create chances um, and then even go put one away, even if they're just kind of, yeah, going forward and creating chances in the final third. You're then going to have the fans getting behind them. It becomes a really hard place to then go and defend and it, it makes it a lot easier for them to go and exploit the space if you're going to 
be open and, and let them have those chances, which isn't really the case at Portman Road. So that's where I think the difference lies more than anything. I think it's just about the control to an extent um, and also about the fact that they can just be a little bit more careful. They don't need to rush, especially when they've got that one goal lead. They can just bide their time. They know that the chance will come. They know that they're good enough to create them and then tuck it away when it does need to happen. And that's why they have such a strong record. They've conceded twice in away from home in the league all season. They have the best away defensive record in the 92, I think, at least mm. in, in the Football League. So mm. it shows, again, they can do both sides and it's something that works them on the road. Yeah. I love how he was interviewed after the game, wasn't he? And he said, but essentially, if we can keep a clean sheet, we know mm. we're going to score pretty much. Like we can, we can score every game. So if we can keep a clean sheet, we're going to win pretty much every time. Wasn't this um, Ross's uh, pre-season? This was his pre-season. Take. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he didn't say they keep a clean sheet every game. He said they'd score in every single game. Mm. And that's looking pretty bloody good right now, isn't it? Because yeah. they just have such a wonderful way of playing football and crafting opportunities in a range of ways from a range of players. We talked about obviously Broadhead there, but there's a, there's a, there's a whole bunch of players who, who are buzzing around creating chances. It must be so nice as a, as a as a as a team to say, right? If we can keep clean sheet in this game, more than likely we're going to win it because we're going to score at least once. Let's be honest, boys. It's a kind of wonderful confidence, isn't it, to have going into a game? Um, I also want to ask you about this man, AJ, AJ, who I think probably had the best night of everyone last night. There he is. <laughs> yeah, Mark Ashton there uh, having a big grin. I guess that's in some kind of director's box somewhere at Ashton Gate. Uh, mm. Clearly. A lot of talk about this being the the Mark Ashton derby. I saw pictures of fans wearing Ashton masks in the in the away end. Um, I, I'd imagine, knowing Mr. Ashton, that he, he probably quite enjoyed last night. I think he probably did quite enjoy last night. Um, I think that, as we all know, the Bristol City opinion on him isn't overly mm. favourable. So to uh, have his club that he's done such amazing work with and taken well, at least played a really big part in taking from mm. League One up into the Championship and now taking them towards the top end of the Championship, I think, is going to be a really nice thing for him to be able to say, wow, look at what I can do. Um, lots of talk. I know I put up a photo of um, Ashton Gate and saying it's really, it's a fantastic stadium, by the way. Yeah. I really love it. There's so much yeah. to like about it. I've been in the, the bar bit under the stadium before. That was the kind of bottom of the photo I took. Mm. Um, the facilities are unbelievable. Yes, it's obviously a multi-purpose stadium because it's used for rugby and it's used for, I think they've got a women's super league team there now yep. as well. So it's multi-purpose and it has to be good, but it really is a, a nice stadium. And I think there are probably a few town fans who were looking at that saying, oh, I wouldn't mind if Portman Road gets some of those facilities. And then there were just all sorts of arguments going on on Twitter after that, or X or whatever you want to call it now, where uh, Bristol City fans were definitely get into a few fights in, in my mentions purely because I posted the photo. I didn't know what was going on there, really. But um, for, for Ashton, looking on, watching how that panned out, going to Bristol as well, would be really a, a good evening for him, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably a good, a good, a good um, what's the word, template to look at, I guess, that stadium. Mm. In the direction I'd imagine that he wants to take Ipswich Town in. He, he, he's called himself a builder. You know, he builds things at football clubs. So we know they've, they've been acquiring land around Portman Road and and that, you'd imagine, is a kind of future uh, direction of travel. And it's also quite yeah. an American way of 
building things around grounds isn't having bars and restaurants and all sorts of yeah, stuff i think it's it's a controversial one as well because if you look at doing it and you look at moving away from the city center you're then looking to the outskirts you very mm. rarely have these kind of big fancy stadiums that are built slap bang in the center you look at what for example oxford are trying to do now they're going to move away from the kassam albeit that's already in the arse end of nowhere but they're, they're moving away from that to another very very fancy looking stadium that's going to be miles out of the city and there's quite a few clubs who are starting to go down that route just because football more than anything now yes it's a sport but it's also an experience it's mm. also about having fancy food places it's also about having pre-match entertainment with flashing lights you might have seen that stoke of all places yesterday they did a light show it's about having those kind of things and like it or not it's the way that football is heading and i think that mark ashton's one of those people that's very aware of the way that football is going and how to market that yeah i reckon he probably had a couple of jack daniels last night you know he likes a jd <laughs> celebrate that little win um aj shall we reflect on the on the bigger picture before we move on to obviously we've got the kit to talk about in plymouth mm-hmm. it's town they played 12 games, so exactly a quarter of the way through the season. They've got 31 points, which pro- projects to 124 over the course of the season. So that's pretty tasty, isn't it? Um, they're nine points. I'm going to say this again, friends. They're nine points clear of third place with a game in hand. Crazy. Um, and we've talked before about where this team might start to stumble. And it's hard not to get too carried away, isn't it? Clearly, they've, they've won 10 out of 12 games. They've got all these points. They're playing amazing. At some point, there is going to be a sticky patch. They're not. It would be incredible for them not to have some sort of adversity to come up against. And everyone, you saw it on game day last night, everyone is saying December is where it's going to be. Is that, we've talked about this before, but that, you don't see that, do you see there being a, a kind of sticky patch before then? Um. I don't, based on what I've seen so far. Mm. And when you look at the games they have coming up, I think that Plymouth, with their away run, they're yet to win away from home. So there is a side there where you probably back town, especially given their their home form, to, to go and win that one. Then going into Birmingham, where they booed Wayne Rooney off the pitch and told him to go back to America last night. Um, nice. Yeah, no, it's a really good two games he's already had there. So fine start for him. Then from there, you look at where they go. I think it's Swansea, again, a a really solid championship side. And as well, after that, West Brom and Millwall, these are all very much kind of standard trademark championship teams, I think, in a way. Um, But from what we've seen so far, Town have had no problem swatting pretty much all of them away with relative ease. And there will probably Mm. be a point where... I don't necessarily think Town are going to go beat all of them necessarily, but this is also a team that is unbeaten in two months. They've not, well, if they'll go two months unbeaten if they go and beat Plymouth on Saturday. They went through September, and if they go and beat Plymouth, it'll be October as well, which is astonishing. Mm. Um, December looks to be the one, you'd say, where the fixtures get tougher when you look at, they've got to go to Middlesbrough, they've then got a Watford on Tuesday night. Um Obviously, the Norwich game comes in there as well. I think they host Coventry quite early mm-hmm. on. Yeah, um, Potentially a Carabao Cup game, and that's going to test the squad in terms of the depth. Then you're looking at Leeds, which is going to be absolutely huge. If you want to, I mean, if the table's in the same way and you want to extend that gap on thirds, that's a colossal game. Um, and everyone has an eye on Leicester on 
Boxing Day, which, funnily enough, I think is probably the most meaningless game of that run because at the end of the day, whether Town does, catch Leicester or not... Doesn't matter, does it? Look, I'm sure we'd all love a championship yeah. title, wouldn't we? But I don't think that catching Leicester is important. Um, it's not about trying to stand up to them. I think they're fairly comfortable league title winners from what we've yeah. seen. Um, it's about extending the gap on the chasing pack. The important thing for me, there will come a stumbling block. I think that there will be a point where results start to dry up. I don't necessarily mm. think they're going to go on a massive run of losses, but there'll be frustrating ones. Funnily enough, I don't necessarily know if it'll be December. I can see things, for example, when you look, okay, a little bit further ahead, February and March, where they've got some really long trips. They're going to mm. Wales twice. They've got to go to Plymouth. They're going up to Blackburn, all those kind of things that come just before the run-in. Those are the ones that maybe I'd look at, but also the biggest thing is just to keep the cushion because if they do have a stumbling block in December, then they've got that cushion to fall back on. You lose two games and you're already still in a much more comfortable position over someone like Leeds. Um, this is what Leicester are finding as well now. They know that if they go and lose, probably at this stage, three, four, five games, wouldn't mm. really matter. It doesn't change too much. If Town can be the same and they can start to build up that cushion more and more, if they can make it 12 by winning at Rotherham. And I mean, you look at Leeds, for example, they've still got to play uh, Leicester quite soon. They've got Huddersfield over the weekend. That's a big game for them. Local derby there. They've got a lot of tough games coming up too. Teams are going to drop points. And if Town can grind them out, then when that sticky patch comes for Town, it's going to be a lot, lot easier to say it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? The national narrative, I saw a lot of the national narrative after the games last night was Town cut the gap on leaders Leicester. But we're, <laughs> sitting here, we're sitting here thinking, well... I don't care about how, how much the gap is to Leicester. All I'm looking mm. at is, is third place. And that's looking pretty bloody tasty at the moment. Also, the EFL schedulers, they know something. Leeds and then Leicester in mm. December, back to back over Christmas. With a potential Carabao Cup tie in there yeah. as well. For yeah. all we know, it could be something like Leeds, Man City, Leicester Ooh. in the space of it. With something like United. Well, tease. who knows? But <laughs> you could just see it being something... Like that, and then you're obviously into a dilemma of how you'd split the squad over that. It's a big squad that Town have, but there's only a finite number of numbers that can kind of make up a really strong team to go into those games. Let's get past Fulham first, AJ. I know, oh, yes. I, know you're, I know you're used to just sweeping everyone aside, but there is another game to play before we get they to can Madison. lose games, yeah. Apparently, they can, <laughs> yeah. Um. AJ, any other notes from last night, behind the scenes stuff? Because obviously we're going to talk about the kit next, which is uh, something else happened last night. You and Rossi did a behind the scenes video, mm -hmm. uh, dear listeners slash viewers. It will not be lost on you that when Grumpy Dad Watson is away, the boys do play and they produce a behind the scenes video. That for me reminds me of when I was uh, like a teenager, which for you is not that long ago, AJ. Uh, and the parents would go out and you'd have your mates round and you'd be like, dipping into the drinks cupboards, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. Oh, there are no rules. Um, it's like fr freedom from the tyranny of Watson and you boys go mad eating pasties and all that sort of stuff. Um, what You ate a very beige meal pre-game. Talk to me about yeah. this. It was pork ribs and wedges. Mm. Um, not much colour. How was it to, to I, I, Yeah, I think that's a little bit harsh. I didn't think it was the most incredible food. No, I thought it was pretty nice. It was kind of sweet pork ribs, which were good. There was quite a lot of meat on the bone as well. The worst thing when you have ribs is when you get there and it's just like nothing. You try and cut it off to pull it and it's nothing there. This, there was quite it was quite substantial. It was quite nice. 
um, wedges. I remember when I went to um, Ashton Gate last season, and I don't like packet ketchup. It annoys me. I don't know why. It's just one of those things. But they they had last season when I went, they had like a little dish, and you could just serve some out from the dish. Really yeah. good. Not this time, unfortunately. It had to be packet ketchup to go with the wedges. It was good. It was fine. I wouldn't maybe say that it would go and challenge a Southampton necessarily in terms of the the rankings. And I have been saying to Ross as well. I think at the end of the season it would be good to go through and do the press food rankings because people love this. Absolutely. We've got team news. Uh, sorry, not team. Team sheet ratings that we've done. But every time I kind of post a photo on Twitter of a ground they're like oh what's the press food like so i think it's quite a big thing and yeah this was this was a solid one a solid probably seven pushing towards an eight maybe a little bit too high but i i didn't think it was maybe as bad as you you thought from uh i'm just looking at the visuals mate you eat with your mm. eyes first and that like a big old plate of beige to me not for me yeah, fair enough. Um, what what have you got against uh packet ketchup just out of interest it's just annoying the it's way just how hard it is to try... open yeah you've got to open it and then you get it out, it just all looks a bit rubbish. It's hard to control as well, out. isn't it? Hard yeah. to control. It comes out and you're like, okay, that's going to be enough for three wedges. Good. Let's go get another <laughs> eight packets. And you just say, oh, God, it's just a bit of a slog at the end of the day. Whereas, yeah, if you have something where you can dip out or you have, for example, with our Premier Inn breakfasts that we had this morning, very nice, where you can have the little uh, pots on the table, perfect. But sachet is not for me. There you go. Well, if you're looking for a present for AJ for Christmas, you know what to get him now, friends. No um, sachet ketchup. Yeah, no, no sachet ketchup. <laughs> but in terms of potential presents for Christmas, as we segue seamlessly, AJ, Ipswich Town launched a new kit last night, the worst mm-hmm. kept secret uh, around the football club. Um, they were clearly going to launch it on uh, on Friday night at Rotherham. That didn't happen. Maybe a good thing it didn't in terms of the colour of the kit, because that would have been carnage yeah. in the mud and rain at, at Rotherham. But we finally got to see it last night. There were Wi-Fi issues, which meant it was slightly delayed on social media, all sorts of stuff, which made my life a bit more difficult, AJ, as I was trying to watch the game and also write a story about the new kit being launched without any pictures as well. Um, but yeah, you've got you've got one to hand, haven't you? We've got our, our, our sweaty little hands on one. Here's one I made earlier. Here it is then. Here this is the, is new, the, the new third kit. Um, so if you haven't seen it yet, I'm not sure you have if you listen to this. It's white with black pinstripes. Um, it's basically in the spirit of the famous shirt they wore, I think, from 81 to 84. Um, and it's also got the retro crest, the old yellow badge there. 145 on the back, of course, 145th anniversary. Uh, and then nice black sleeves as well. AJ, we, you recorded a, a video reaction just to the shirt last night, which is available to subscribers now on our website. Um, what what do you make of it, friend? Because you're the one holding it there. I haven't physically mm-hmm. touched it. I've not held it in my hand, um, which I think occasionally can make a difference to how you view a kit. And what, how would you how would you rate it? What do you like? What don't what don't you like? There's not really anything that I don't like, and the reason is it's just it's quite simple. It's clean. That was the the word that I used yesterday when I was talking about it. It's such a clean kit. It's so mm. kind of slick and for some people that isn't going to work so look at it and go it's boring it, it's not for me it's a remake of an old kid it's just yeah. and i get that that's fair enough but i also just think that sometimes you want something that looks quite smart quite kind of formal in the way definitely with the pinstripes there um and as kieran mckenna said a nod to, let me get the words out, a nod to tradition which i think is 
a nice thing as we've kind of gone on about it's it's, it's important uh with the 145 145 years and with the fact that town are doing so well as well the other thing that stands out to me and it's going to stand out to everyone, the badge yeah oh yes you um, like that yeah so obviously in terms of my knowledge of the club and, and links to the past maybe don't mm. have the same connection as someone like ross who's kind of spent i think he might even have probably like a version of the original something like that or at least kits that have this original badge on it um talking to people about it it's so popular and you can see why it just has a really traditional feel about it mm. and it contrasts very well for me in a way that it has a very slick and modern feel to it but then it also has that old-fashioned retro side within the badge so it balances quite nicely um not for everyone fair enough but i'm a really big fan of this and yeah really like it okay i'm going to say what i think about it after we've heard from the man who really matters and that's big k money of course among many other things you asked him about this last night aj let's hear what he said finally maybe not one that's exactly up your street quite a big one among the fans new kit launch at half time hmm. have you seen it and what were your thoughts on that yeah, I saw it because um, I think it's known that we were we were going to wear it on on Friday night, so um, we we showed it to the players on the Thursday so that they could be familiar with it. I think it's a lovely kit. Um, I know it's another nod to tradition. There was actually someone outside the team bus today wearing the, the I think the nineteen eighty one version, um, which was pretty cool. So it almost looked as if he knew what was coming later in the evening. Um, but yeah, I think a really nice another really nice kit. So credit to to everyone involved in that. Right. Um, it has been divisive, hasn't it? I mean, <laughs> compared to, say, last season's kits, which were stone-cold classics across the board and pretty much university loved, I think it's fair to say there has been a little bit more um, negative feedback, particularly on this one. People saying it's lazy and it's, you know, it's this, that and the other. It's not very creative. I like the retro. I always love retro stuff. So I like that retro kind of throwback feel and clearly town or a club with storied history. It's always great to reflect that. I also think two seasons ago they had a white shirt and for me I didn't like that at all because it essentially just looked like a t-shirt so I, I like the pinstripes it gives a little bit of extra color to it kind of sets it as a as a proper shirt I, I do think it is fine I'm not you know it's not it's not I'm not going to be like racing out to to buy it if I was the sort of person who buy football kits um it, it's just fine is, is what mm. I would say it's 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 does a job it's as you say it's sharp it's classy it's got that retro feel but it's certainly not you know the sort of thing that we saw last season with the the blackout shirt for example that kind of next level creativity and wow look at that that's not something they've not done before that kind of thing so i think it's fine that would be my my uh summing up of it yeah it, i think that as well with that there's only i kind of mentioned this in the video we did there's only a finite number of things you can do with football shirts because you're limited <laughs> with the colors that you can have you're not going to have a uh, yeah. a town shirt that's going to be yellow and green you're not really going to often be going out and making some sort of wacky design because then again you're going to be in the same position where you can totally divide the fan base mm. um and i think that as i said there's, there's only so many things that you can do and with what they've opted to work with, I think that, yeah, it just it feels like they've done a good job. And I don't think they've set out to create anything that's going to, you know, break the internet necessarily. But they've gone out to create something that feels 
classy, slick and sharp. And I feel like that's what they've done. Yeah. What would you give it out of 10 then, AJ, if I asked you to hold up, if, if we did a hold up points out of oh, 10? Oh, I thought you asked me to hold up the shirt. Um, ooh, I'm going to go... What would, you, what would you give it? Would you give it... Use your hands. What would you give it as a oh, five? I can't even do that. There you go. You're going eight. I'm going... I'm, oh, where am I going? I'm going seven. Okay. Um, I think it's a solid seven. No more, no less. The exciting thing, of course, is I think they probably already know... Well, they definitely already know what next season shirt's going to look like. They think they've been signed off so maybe next season is when i get the the pink away shirt i've been after for so long <laughs> fluorescent pink luminescent pink i think it'll be absolutely classic did you like the um, goalkeeper shirt with this one? yes yeah yeah i, I did very much so yeah absolutely but they've done they've done pink goalkeeper shirts before mm. i want an actual outfield away okay ideally in a way pink kit um i think that'd be tremendous so uh we'll wait and see it it will shell a, a set a shed load anyway won't it in, in mm. terms of it's got Ed Sheeran's logo on it. The Ipswich badge. Town are, the badge. Ipswich Town are a, a hot football team in terms of the international and national narrative. So I'm sure it will so very well. Um, friends, the only thing we've got left to talk about really on this week's show, ridiculously, given you've only just got back from Bristol, is uh, is the game at the weekend. Plymouth. Mm. Um, a team that went toe-to-toe with Town uh, last season. Obviously, ends up winning League One ahead of Ipswich Town. I think there might still be a little bit of spice between them on that note because I, I get the feeling that Plymouth feel like they may have been a little bit overshadowed, even though they actually won the league. Um, and it's going to be very interesting to see how the teams match up in the Championship this season. Clearly, Plymouth not having anywhere near the kind of success that Ipswich Town are having. Eighteenth um, at the moment, uh, they beat Sheffield Wednesday. Everyone beat Sheffield Wednesday. They beat Sheffield Wednesday last night, three 0 But that was their first win in October. Um, and I don't know, it's not always add up to football maths, as they say, but um, they played Bristol City away in September and got tonked 4-1. Um, of course, they have had some notable wins, notably uh, over our old friends across the border, mm-hmm. Norwich. Interesting what's going on there at the moment, AJ. They're using the term, I see our friends on the uh, the pink and using the term sleepwalking into, into bad things, which is uh, something that not too long ago we were saying about Ipswich Town. So how are you feeling about, about Plymouth coming to Portman Road? Yeah, they've been a really interesting team. And you look at the Bristol City game, they just decided for some reason to go and change their entire lineup for that. They mm. made an absolute bucket load of changes. Um, fans were very confused as to why Schumacher did it. And then they went and got battered and Schumacher was like, oh yeah, maybe that isn't a good idea to just go make wholesale changes for a, a team in a championship midweek clash. Um, they've learned their lessons a bit from that. I think that they... Well, I don't want to call them a solid team because they're not. They are quite erratic in the way mm. that they like attacking and they don't really like defending. Um, switched around their styles a little bit, gone to more of a 4-3-3. You look at someone like Barley Mumba, who's a natural kind of fullback, wingback player, playing now as a left winger. Uh, Morgan Whitaker, one of the stars of the championship so far this season. So a lot of real attacking talent there. As I mentioned, yet to win on the road, so there is that side to it as well. Home Park is a bit more of a fortress. I think it's three wins, mm. three defeats off the top of my head. I think they're yet to draw there. Um, you look, they put six past Norwich, as we touched on. Um, so there's a lot going on. They're quite hard to assess in a way when you look at that. But overall, they do look like a team that probably need to find a little bit of stability in this league. I think they're mm. probably too good to go down, especially when you look at the current, we'll say bottom four. I think Huddersfield could get dragged into that. Um, I think Plymouth are a tier or two above them. 
but it is a case where they probably are a team that need to just make sure that they can survive in the choppy waters of the championship and go from there. Um, this is one where Town will go in as heavy, heavy favourites against a side that is yet to win on the road, against a side that is very open. It feels mm. like there's goals in it. It also does feel like they are a team that can hurt Town because we know that they concede a lot of goals at Portman Road still. Um, does have the making of a you know one of those 4-1, 4-2, 5-3, something like that. So um, I'll probably go with my 1-0 town prediction on when we film that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at you look at them, as you say, they've got players with, with good numbers, haven't they? Brian Hardy, six goals, three assists. Whitaker five goals, three assists. So they can, they can hurt teams going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, it does feel like it might be a bit of a, a classic Portman Road shootout with uh, with Plymouth maybe not having quite the artillery that, that town have. Um, which I hope is how how things turn out. Do you want to clearly, Alex? You have been in Bristol City mode for all week, um, yeah. and you've only just got home. Do you want to try and venture a prediction, just so our, our listeners and, and viewers can have something to hold on to? Do you feel informed enough to do that, or, or shall we make? Yeah, right? yeah, I'll go with the prediction then. Um, which, yeah, we've got the boom tomorrow, so I'll make sure I carry my prediction over on. Make that. it consistent, yeah. Yeah, I'll make it consistent. But again, it feels like there's goals in it. I still think that maybe Town could do with just making sure they've found their feet and getting into full attacking killer flow. I think this is probably the game where they want to do that against a, a little bit of a leaky Plymouth team, uh, who, in fairness, have kept clean sheets in the last couple of games with the return of uh, Cooper, the goalkeeper. So maybe a side to it there. But I'm going to go 3-1 Ipswich Town. First goal scorer, Connor Chaplin. He's 2-1, isn't he? I've uh, I've managed to get the first goal scorer right on the last three occasions. Blimey. I just, I just can't, get the, I can't get the result correct, which is what really gets you the points in our little game. So Ross was very smug last night because he, he had 1-0. Um, and therefore, I think he's actually pulled ahead of you, Alex. Yes, he has. Uh, yep. In the predictions table. Um so yeah, three one. It does feel like that sort of game. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say four one. I'm gonna go four one because um, I think Town will want to put the old pedal down and make a bit of a statement against Plymouth, given their um, games last season and and the, the rivalry between the teams from that. Uh, I think the first goal scorer is going to be. Oh, do I go? Do I go? Try and really make up some points here. Uh, so I want to say Hutchinson, but oh yeah, know. I love I you love Murray Hutchinson. I picked him twice to be first goal scorer, and he was benched for both. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is you never know. Like ah oh, man, I'm gonna Broadhead Chaplin. Ah, uh, I'm gonna say George Hurst. Okay, I feel like George Hurst has got a goal in him. He he works so he's hard. Due one. He's worked so hard. He's such a tank. He deserves a goal, the lad. Mm. Um, so fingers crossed he gets it at the weekend and I get 4-1 and uh, move up the table a bit more because it's all about me at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> so there we go, friends. Anything else to mention, AJ, uh, before we take our leave? And apologies once more for wait- making you wait so long for this podcast. Yes, apologies to everyone. It's been very busy. We've had to have some time to put up the Halloween decorations. <laughs> and so what's Halloween like? In the Heath household. It's not a thing, mate. Halloween in the Heath household. Okay. My, my missus used to enjoy crafting a pumpkin. She's one of these ridiculously annoying sort of creative people <laughs> who 
she did a she did a pumpkin of uh, Walter White from Breaking Bad once, which wow. was like, ama- like amazing, and it took her about four years to do it. Um, mm. But she really enjoyed it, and now she, I think now she can't be bothered because it, it's such a kind of uh, a lot of work for something mm. essentially that's just going to go mouldy and uh, get thrown away in three days. Um, she can't be bothered. But my main thing on, on Halloween is is trying to avoid having to answer the door to kids who come around wanting wanting sweets. Not for me, that. Not for me. Don't knock on my door expecting treats on Halloween, kids. That's that's the uh, that's the, the statement in the Heath household. Um, Do you remember when you got called out on Twitter for being Scrooge and now you're yeah. being the uh, the Halloween it's, Scrooge? Oh, sorry, it's, it's, not, it's not really to do with Halloween. I just don't like children. Um, <laughs> so I don't want them knocking on my door at any point, least of all to demand sweets with menaces. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's me. Uh, over Halloween, um, there we go. But it, it looks like it's going to be one hell of a festival in the Jones household. Yeah, it looks like there's going to be some sort of satanic ritual going on at this rate. Maybe we'll just like all sit around the table and have like a seance. I don't know <laughs> if that's the route we're going down, but it's slightly uh, creepy. I feel like if I like come upstairs to have a drink in the middle of the night and then I turn on all the lights and all the pumpkins will be looking at me, something like that. There's a lot going on. And I just, I, it alarms me that half the things that we've got going on in here, you can't even see on the camera. So who knows what will await on the Halloween that will come. Uh, yeah, it's not Halloween anyway. It's uh, Fulham Away Eve. Oh, no, not Fulham Away. Fulham Home Eve. That's that's what all the fun. That's is. the way that that's the way we should be looking at it. Absolutely, um, friends. That's us then for this week. Uh, a slightly shorter version of the podcast, clearly, because it's just a two-man show. Uh, Watto will be back next week from his half-term holidays. He returns actually to come back and cover the game on Saturday with the boys. And Rossi uh, is working today, but he is. Uh, I think he's literally only just got home on the old train. It's been a bit of a mission for him and he's going straight into recording Meet the Oppo and then Attractor Girls Talk, which will be with you uh, soon as well. So look out for that. Just a reminder, friends, to support our sponsors, use the code COA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery on all that excellent clobber. Get yourself some Christmas presents there, perhaps, for those you love or indeed yourself. And also Ginger Pickle, proudly wearing the badge. Get the badge in today. Tony Southgate and the boys at Ginger Pickle if you need help with your SEO, your digital marketing, your Google ranking, that kind of thing. Get involved with them. And also, friends, if you haven't yet, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that helps lift us visibility-wise in the charts. The other thing to mention, you saw the Ipswich Town shirt there that we've got in our hot little hands. We're going to do a giveaway with that in due course, uh, subscribers only. So if you're not a subscriber to the Angden, uh, make sure you are soon as because that will be coming up for uh, for a competition soon. And on that note, friends, um, currently there's an offer, which I think is £3 for one month's coverage. But generally speaking, we uh, we obviously massively appreciate everyone who signed up to support us and subscribe to the coverage that we bring you because we love doing it. And it's been really nice to see. We've also heard, though, from people that have said it's a bit expensive, seven ninety nine a month. And you're right, friends, let's be honest. Uh, we didn't have any say about that. Um, so we've, we've had a word with the powers that be, uh, and, and the price is being dropped, friends. So from now on, it will be four ninety nine a month for the usual subscription, uh, and five ninety nine if you want the app, which is excellent. I would say that, but it really is excellent. On top of that, totally ad free, fast loading, beautiful user experience. The app. Um, so on that note, there, if you want to be involved in that next competition, make sure you subscribe if you're not already being with a chance of, of winning that shirt. And there's also another competition we're going to run in due course, which you want to be uh, in it to win it, as they say. You need to do that. You need to be a subscriber. Right then, I'll stop 
using the word subscriber now and going to take our leave friends uh we'll be back before you know it having been away for so long it's which town play plymouth this saturday the boys will all be there if you do see them say hello give aj perhaps a pumpkin or a sachet of tomato ketchup uh and the boys if i'm not around on monday which i might not be because i need to lie down uh, the boys will be so we'll be back next week to speak to you have a great weekend whatever you're doing and we'll speak to you again next time Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.